I'm Heather Fleming, founder of In Purpose Educational Services and author of the book, My Black Friend Says. And I'm Delaney Ray, the coordinator of the LEAP Institute. So what do we do now, Heather? Same thing we've always done, Delaney. Keep fighting for an equitable world. This time in a podcast. Welcome to the Listen, Learn, Love podcast, where comfortable friends chat about uncomfortable topics. Let's do it. So, Delaney. Yes, Heather. Guess what this month is? June. And you know the answer to this. Pride. Pride. And, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, making sure that as we are doing this work, that we're also teaching and talking about the struggles that um, our LGBTQ brothers and sisters have had, you know, just to make sure that we are also learning how to be good allies. Uh, Well, you know, I hate the word allies these days, Um, that we're learning how to be good advocates for every marginalized community, not just the ones that maybe we represent. And so Absolutely. And on that note, I would say our LGBTQ brothers, sisters, and non-binary folk. Thank you. See, see, we just have, we, we keep learning. And so you're right. Our non-binary um, siblings um, as well. And so we just want to make sure that we are representing all communities in this. So I wanted to, if you didn't mind, nerd out a little bit because you know I love history. Absolutely. Okay. And I wanted to talk about how pride even started. Okay. Okay. So what happened is that in 1969, the atmosphere for gay, lesbian, um, bisexual, bisexual, transgender um, community was very dangerous, if we're going to be honest. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things that had been considered illegal, including like, you know, if if people were worked in clubs and were openly gay, they could be fired. They could be arrested. Restaurants and bars could get shut shut down for having gay employees or even for serving gay patrons. Mm -hmm. Right. And so into all of this, enters the Stonewall Inn. And the Stonewall Inn um, was a like a safe haven for our, our gay, lesbian, and transgender communities. And and rumor is they were operated by the mafia who, who paid police officers to look the other way. Okay? Okay. And then what they would do also, though, is blackmail the wealthy gay patrons by threatening to out them. Well, what would happen is that police raids on gay bars were really, really common. And so hot summer night, 1969, the police decide to raid the Stonewall Inn. Okay. Except this time the LGBT community decided to fight back. So this happened on June 24th, 1969. They arrested Stonewall employees. They confiscated alcohol. They did all of that good stuff. Okay. And then they decided to plan another raid that following Friday. Okay. Because they were hoping to really get the bar cut shut down for good. But when they went, the patrons were like, um, not today, sirs. 
Okay, so they singled out like drag queens, cross-dressing um, um, patrons, so transgender patrons, etc. But what happened is that the people within the bar began to grow very upset. So they had like a p police van that arrived and they were going to take all of the employees and the people that were breaking the law by being gay or transgender. Um, they were going to take them off to jail. But what happened is we had people that started to um, resist arrest and they said, no, we're not going to um, take it. They began taunting the police officers. They started throwing pennies at them and bottles and um, they slashed police tires and did all kinds of stuff because they were like, we're not going to continue to go, you know, to do this. And so there were two people in particular, they kind of let it. Now with the original, um, the way it was originally thought that Marsha P. Johnson was actually there that night. They had, she had not arrived yet. Okay. But she later led um, some of the bigger protests against this. And so it was Marsha P. Johnson, both, both of these are women of color. Um, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia, of Sylvia Rivera. They were both transgender um, women of color and they um, decided, no, we're not going to, we're not going to take this. And it got so violent that, well, I don't want to say violent. It got so ruckus that police had to actually retreat and barricade themselves inside the stone wall mm. so they can get help. And so these people, though, they were like, nope, get out of here. They took a parking meter. They used it as a battering ram. They threw beer bottles, trash, just whatever they could get their hands on. And in the end, they had to call in the tactical patrol force, which is the riot police um, for for the city. And finally, like 4 a.m., it's it settled down. No one died that first night, but a few, you know, police officers were injured. Well, what happened is that June 28th, the Stonewall reopens and supporters start to gather, but police beat and tear gas the crowd, um, treat them very violently. It becomes like a, you know, contest of wills, I guess you would say. And then what happened after that is June 29th through July 1st, it became a gathering place for all of these LGBTQ um, activists. And so they just kept gathering, kept gathering, kept gathering. Um, they finally start getting some response to all this and boom, eventually it dies as, as people, the, the protest dies down as people start to, you know, acknowledge some of the LGBTQ rights and, and, and their right to fight for them. What happens that the next year in 1970, on June 28th, that was the first gay pride parade. And what they did is they met at Stonewall, the Stonewall Inn, in order to um, march in support of gay rights and gay pride um, and to commemorate what happened at, Sto at Stonewall Inn. That is how we ended up with eventually ex it expanding to include the whole month of June. Um, and so starting June 1st, we begin to celebrate and we celebrate all through the month. So and this is really, really important. You you 
talk about um, often when we're having these discussions, you talk about the Trevor Project. So can you tell the audience a little bit about the Trevor Project and kind of what they have found out and discovered? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that that history of of the start of Pride is so important in comparison to conversations we've had on this podcast about protests. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. of the Black Lives Matter protest and a lot of people choose to call those riots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've talked to people before who have really felt like it was unnecessary that Mm -hmm. any of violence or anger or destruction of property is so unnecessary. And I, I've kind of gently told people oftentimes it's it's mothers that I'm having conversations with because honestly that's the bulk of my friends and I've said you know we all know as mothers that we shouldn't scream at our children and so we try we could we tell our kids for example to you know pick up something and you say it and you say it again and you say it again and then when you come back and it's still there or it got picked up and then it's left out again eventually you just you've had enough and you yell right most Mm -hmm. of us Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's so similar here. You know, this was a group of people who's who had been arrested just for trying to go out and do what everyone else does, right? Go to mm-hmm. a club, hang out, have a job, fall in love. There, there's a there's a point at which that just that anger is too much. That leave us alone, just let us live our life is too much, and so. Right. What you see after generations upon generations of rights um, being withheld for the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. and so much of what is taught in a lot of churches and a lot of communities ends up with people rejecting their LGBTQ children. Mm -hmm. And so the Trevor Project stepped in. It was founded in 1998, and it really is an intervent, a crisis intervention and suicide prevention group for LGBTQ adolescents um, and young Mm -hmm. people up up to age 25, in fact. And so, real recently this year, right before Pride Month, you know, just in time for Pride Month. The Trevor Project actually released their annual survey where they ask a whole lot of questions of um, LGBTQ youth. I think they say ages 13 to 24 across the United States. And I Mm -hmm. wonder if I could share the results of this with you. I would love that. I think this really drives home the importance of having these conversations, the importance of having a time and space set aside to celebrate, um, not just accept, right, but celebrate our LGBTQ youth and siblings. So this survey, I believe this year it was 35,000 people were surveyed. Mm-hmm. 42% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. Oh, my gosh. Now, when you look at only transgender and non-binary youth, it was over 50%. Oh, wow. So without giving away any names or personal information, we don't do that here on this podcast. Heather, do you personally, and I mean personally, know and love anyone who identifies as transgender or non-binary? Yes. I do too. Yes. So that means between the two of us, if we know two people 
there's a good chance at least one of them seriously considered attempting suicide in the last 12 months. Wow. That's, that's, wow. That's something to think about. More than 80%. And this is interesting because this is, this particular part of the survey was very specific to 2020. So I found this interesting. More than 80% of LGBTQ youth Mm -hmm. stated that COVID-19 made their living situations even more stressful. And that's because only one in three LGBTQ youth found their home, their personal home, to be affirming of their identity. Wow. That means two out of three youth who identify within the LGBTQ community live in homes that are not accepting and affirming of them. 48% reported in the last year that they really wanted to receive some form of mental health professional um, help, but were unable. 30% of LGBTQ youth experienced food insecurities in the past month. And 75%, so that's a pretty big number, reported that they have experienced discrimination based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. Half, so a complete half of all the LGBTQ youth of color reported discrimination based on their race and ethnicity. And when that half is further broken down, it was 70, or I'm sorry, 67% of Black LGBTQ youth and 60% of Asian Pacific Islander LGBTQ youth. I... So here's another one. And I don't yeah. know how familiar you are with the idea of conversion therapy. Are you familiar with conversion therapy, Heather? Unfortunately, yes. Yes. Yeah. So for anyone listening, conversion therapy is a form of therapy that quote unquote is supposed to fix LGBTQ youth. So um, take somebody who identifies as gay or lesbian, transgender, non-binary, and reverts them back to the normal status quo, right? Like it says through intense therapy, we can make everyone cisgender and heteronormative, right? Um, It has been shown over and over throughout the actual scientific medical community to not work, to not be, um, to not even be acceptable. It's shown to just be damaging and um, traumatic, right? But 13% of of the LGBTQ youth in, involved in this reported being subjected to that kind of conversion therapy. Many states and areas are trying to outlaw that type of therapy. Um, as they should be, because that um, the, the methods that they use are akin to um, mental and physical torture sometimes. Shock therapies used, yeah. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I think that Actually, all 50 states and all territories should outlaw conversion therapy. So let's talk about what can be done to help, right? Like, why is pride important? Well, let's talk about this. So a part of also a part of this is is this other side. So transgender and non-binary youth mm-hmm. who reported that their pronouns were respected by all of the people they lived with attempted mm-hmm. suicide at half the rate of those who did not have their identities respected. So having the people in your house respect your identity and use the pronouns that feel best to um, 
this per you know whoever this person is if if the people in their household respect and use their pronouns that cut suicide risk in half transgender and non-binary youth who were able to change their name and gender marker on legal documents such as driver's licenses and birth certificates also reported lower rates of suicide. Now, here's an interesting fact. Mm -hmm. Not all states will allow you to change the marker on your birth certificate. Right. And if that we still have, (laughs) if you happen to be born in one of those states that you can't have your birth certificate transferred to some other state, it doesn't matter if you move. That is something that will follow you forever, even though we can see here how important that is for the mental health of the individual. You know, I, I I will tell you this. Sometimes hearing the statistics, the statistics that you read, um, when you think about it in relationship to the history, it's, it sometimes feels like we've only made, we've only inched as far as change has concerned. We haven't made giant leaps. Um, but the reality is that we have, we just still have so much further um, to go. We look at the fact that like LGBTQ Elders Day that commemorates um, and celebrates all of the LGBTQ individuals who have been able to age because it's, it's such a privilege to be able to age if you have not you know um we went through after all of those laws that we talked about at the beginning you know that alone led to people being uh, murdered led to people dying by suicide etc so that that was the atmosphere that we're coming from but then after that we went through and we were talking about this earlier we went through the AIDS epidemic, where our govern- government purposely did nothing to assist and to help people as they were dying for AIDS, from AIDS. Right. And I was going to, you know, add on to what you were saying. You were painting a very bleak picture, but I wanted to go ahead and make it even worse, right? Okay. Like, let's, let's go ahead and take this bleak <laughs> picture and just, you know, pour, pour black paint all over it. <laughs> and so that was one of the things I was going to bring up What's the AIDS epidemic. But yes, so not only all of these things that you've listed, right? And then, of course, even now in certain states, healthcare professionals don't have to care for somebody who's LGBTQ. So imagine you're you're gay, you have AIDS, you know, healthcare professionals don't have, you know, didn't then and, and even in some states now don't have to offer the same level of care or can opt out based on their own you know, biases and opinions. Yeah. But when you take a whole group of people and you say you're not allowed to work a real job, you're not allowed to have a legal marriage, um, we're not going to protect your rights to your relationship. When you put people in these positions, when when the pressure is put on their families to kick their teenagers out of their house who don't have full education yet, who don't have the ability to get jobs, to procure housing, this drives this whole um, 
this whole group of people into lifestyles that they would not have chosen for themselves, but is based solely on survival. Okay. Right. So then you find a higher level of, of sex work. You find a higher level of drug addiction. You find a higher level of homelessness. All of these things that have been, this community has been forced into, not because this is a community of people who said, I want to be homeless and addicted to drugs and be a sex worker. That was not, that's not how this works at right. all. Right. Not. These are, it, had they been accepted, the right pronouns used, um, still living at home, finishing college degrees would have probably never ended up in that lifestyle. But then you've pushed them into it and then said, and now we're not going to help you. Right? right. And now we're not going to cover your rights. We're not going to help do what needs to be done to stop this, this, this deadly virus because we see it as being something that only strikes down, you know, sinful people who are abominations, which turned out to be so false and that, you know, AIDS has, has impacted all communities, all races, all genders, all sexual, you know, orientations, probably in much worse ways than it had to, had it been stopped or even taken seriously much sooner. So you look at all of that, I guess what I'm saying is why wouldn't you riot in the streets, right? Like why wouldn't you throw bricks and, and, and scream and yell when, when all of this has been thrust upon you and all you wanted was to live your life just like anyone else. And, you know, that's the thing about it is that we have too many people that are sitting back and trying to, um, you know, say, well, here's what's really going on. But they keep starting the story. You, you hear me say it all the time. They start the story with secondly. And so with the AIDS ep epidemic, it was like, you know, we're going to start the story with, you know, this is punishment for immoral behavior. And that was just grossly unfair. Um, and, but they use that as they honestly use that as a basis for denying um, treatment. And it wasn't until it started impacting heterosexual communities that our government finally did something. But thousands of people had died by then. And we just, you know, we get to the point where, yes, if we have someone who is LGBTQ and has made it to be 50, 60, 70, um, 70 years old, they deserve to be celebrated. Um, because in the end, it took a lot for them to get there. Um, it took a lot for them to survive to get here. And, you know, we went through like an epidemic of um, black trans women being murdered. We went through, we've just gone through so much, but so that we don't leave this on a bleak <laughs> scale, you know, a bleak um, outlook, we are making progress. And that makes me really um, proud. We still have a long way to go. But there was a time when LGBTQ um, rights wouldn't have even been in the conversation at all. And now we're getting into some really great conversations. Some of them have been very contentious, but even about heterosexuals, their role in celebrating pride. And one of the things that I keep trying to stress to people is, you know, you you treat 
this the same way you would any other group's celebrations. And so, yes, you you want to celebrate pride, but you want to make sure that our LGBTQ um, siblings are taking the lead on this, that we're not coming in and, and co-opting and um, appropriating or anything like that. Just as if I invited one of my white friends over to celebrate Kwanzaa with me or to celebrate. Um, I, I invited one of my Muslim friends over um, to, you know, celebrate Christmas dinner with me or something like that, that number one, they would probably follow our traditions, but then I would want to make sure on my end that I'm, I'm, you know, being respectful. And so it, and explaining things to someone and not expecting them actually, you know, not needing them to be part of my celebration, but wanting to include them. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we we shouldn't who- be expecting that we're going to walk in and be front and, front and center at pride. That's and as a, not centering yourself and not centering yourself. You can't do that. And so, you know, you want to make sure that you are finding out what do I need to do to show my support without centering myself. Um, a big discussion that we've had are, is ally gear, ally T-shirts, et cetera. Would you like to know my opinion on those, Delaney? Well, I know your opinion on those. <laughs> would, would you like to tell our listeners your opinion on those? Why, yes, I would. Thanks for asking. No, no. And this is the reason why um, we've got a lot of people labeling themselves allies who aren't allies. And the reality is, is that I don't get to determine if, if LGBTQ people see me as an ally. I'm not the one that determines that they determine that. So I just know from my experience as a black person, there are a lot of people that are like, I'm an ally, but probably only 25 to 35 percent of those those people actually do the work to be an ally. Only 25 or 35 percent of those people would I feel safe if they if they came to the rescue, if they had my if they had my back. And I talk about this, you know, in my book and um, I talk about this online and and, in training and a little bit everywhere. You don't get to decide if you're an ally. You're not the person that decides. So, you know, I'm not here ready to wear an ally shirt. Now, I've also heard from those who are within the LGBTQ community Mm-hmm. To take that one step further, and I hate to speak for anyone else, so I'm right. literally just repeating what I've heard. Right. Um, and as always, feel free to email us, let us know your thoughts and opinions, challenge us. But another problem I have heard with the LGBTQ ally shirts is that if instead of just wearing something that is pride based, rainbow based, and saying, hey, accept everyone, it's like saying, 
yay for pride, but I'm really straight. Make sure <laughs> you know I'm straight. Exactly. Like, I'm not one of them, but, but no pride, right? So like, it's another feeling of why did you, you say you're so supportive, but yet you felt it was really important to make sure people knew that you're not, you're not gay. You're right. not lesbian. So you're not, there, yeah. There's another aspect of there of, of the, um, privilege, right, of not actually putting yourself in this situation to to be oppressed. Right. Right. It's and to me the ally shirts are very performative. And they're about you and not about the community that you're trying to um support. And so that's why I would say avoid them, avoid them, avoid them. Now, I think um, this year there's still, because of COVID, not as many pride celebrations, but I think there's a lot of opportunity. Yes, but I think there's still a lot of opportunities for anyone listening. Please consider giving money to support um, the Trevor Project. That is such an important organization out there. Think about the hearts of parents of LGBTQ youth who know that their child now has, what did I say, 42 percent um, mm-hmm. seriously consider suicide, that there's nothing as a parent really that you can do to change that. That's how you're, you know, your child was just born a part of a community that because of the treatment and oppression drives up those suicide rates. So, so mm-hmm. consider giving to the Trevor project, consider finding out how in your community to support LGBTQ youth. And yeah. I, and, and I also wanted to add on to what you said that it's not all bleak. You know, we've talked about on this podcast before that we are both Christians. I'm very active in my church. I belong to a church that has put the effort in, not just performative, but has put the effort in to become educated and understanding so that they can truly be open and affirming to all, all people. Yeah. And so those churches are out there, right? Like we don't know it because I think we see and hear this bad stuff, but communities, accepting, loving communities of people, whether it's in in different businesses, schools, churches, they're out there. They are yeah. growing. And we need to to make these voices, amplify these voices, amplify and support those who are really doing the work, not just the big name corporations that put out a rainbow colored donut, right? Like, right. I, I, <laughs> if you find out that that rainbow colored donut, the money is going to Trevor Project, then get your donut on, get right? Get your like, donut. But if not, right here in St. Louis, there's the Metro trans umbrella umbrella group. group. Mm -hmm. I mean, find out what actual group, like, is the money really going to support this community? Right. And if not, go somewhere else, go somewhere else, do something else with your money. But that's, that's what this is all about. Support, support, support. So Delaney, speaking of support. Yes. You know that this work that we do, um, while we love it, it can be draining and overwhelming. And so... Not to me, Heather. Are you feeling a- drained <laughs> and overwhelmed? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm the draining and overwhelming I part. <laughs> almost cussed on this here podcast. No, we don't need to do that, Delaney. Um, and so we are getting ready to enter 
vacation season. Vacation season. And so audience, we just want you to know that um, we're not going to, for a couple weeks, two, three weeks, we're not going to be recording new episodes because we are going to all be on vacation at various times throughout. But what we're going to do is we're going to choose some of our favorite episodes and um, let you like have a replay of them, hear them again. And so please, for the next few weeks, still follow us, still look forward to it. But we're going to be taking a little break and we will be back in July. Yeah. And, you know, Heather and I talked about this before recording. And there are some episodes that we still laugh when we think about or refer back to. So I just want to repeat what Heather said. Please, you know, look forward to this and listen, find out what are our favorites and why. Um, If you if they're ones you haven't heard, give it a listen. If you have listened to it and you and you agree, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's right. That was a great episode. Share it. Share it with somebody. Uh, yes. We would we would love to have you support us in that way, sharing us with your friends, with anybody you think um, could could learn to to uh, or could learn could to learn love us, <laughs> right? Every you don't learn have to learn to, to love, love us. us. No, they do. Could, could learn to love us. Learn from us, or you know, walk this walk with us. Yes. So as always, if you have input, if you have questions, you have thoughts, if you have a favorite episode that you want to make sure that we replay, you can email us at listenlearnlove at imperposeea.com. And you can also find us on Facebook and all the other places that Heather will tell you. (laughs) Because I still don't remember. (laughs) I don't know the new Listen, Learn, Love um handle on facebook i think it's listen learn love podcast okay i listen learn love at listen learn listen learn love podcast okay so everyone you can facebook catch us on facebook at listen learn love podcast um or at in purpose e s on facebook and instagram in purpose e a on twitter and i think that's it Oh, and then, of course, our Patreon account, www.patreon.com backslash listen, learn, love. We want to thank all of our patrons. We're up to 38, I believe, um, 37 or 38 patrons. And so thank each and every one of you for your continued support. We really, really do appreciate it. We are doing some really big things within purpose, and we hope that that will also help us take this podcast to the next level. And so thank you very much for continuing to support us and enjoy us, um, enjoy these great conversations that we're having. And um, we will check you all in July. Be sure to watch that Facebook podcast page because we're going to be announcing the winners of all of our Mellow May weekly trivia questions. So that'll yes. be being put out this week. So check that Lots out. Lots of good also. stuff. Good stuff out there. So Delaney. Yes, Heather. You want to do this again next month? <laughs> <laughs> I I want to do this again next week, but I also want us both to get the refreshing breaks that we deserve. So, yes, Heather, I will do this. Yeah, I'm getting my refreshing break with an umbrella in it. Oh, I love you. (laughs) I love you. You Bye, girl. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. You can support us on Patreon by looking for the Listen, Learn, Love podcast or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at InPurposeES. That is I-N-PurposeES. You can also follow us on Twitter at InPurposeEA or visit our website at www.InPurposeEA.com. Heather, this was great. Do you want to do it again next week? I sure do, Delaney. Awesome. Talk to you then. Bye.